0: NPTE Studycast. Welcome to NPTE StudyCast. I'm Jimmy. She's Bridget. Bridget, welcome back. Thanks, Jimmy. We're talking DVT, deep vein thrombosis. Look, I got all the words right. You got it. Good for you. How do we briefly describe that in like one sentence? It is a blood clot that
1: forms in a deep vein
0: pretty good right there. Simple as that. (laughs) Anything else we want to know just describing the pathology overall?
1: Yeah, it's just important to remember that a DVT can actually cause a pulmonary embolism or a cerebral embolism. PEs can be deadly because those are found in in the lungs. So that's just a DVT that's traveled to the lungs. And then a cerebral embolism, which is just what's going to cause
0: your ischemic strokes. Very, very serious. Anatomy. Called DVT. So I'm guessing a vein is involved.
1: Yeah, you would guess correctly, Jimmy. Deep vein in the body is what's involved. Typically, we see these in the lower extremity, but that's not to say that they aren't found in the upper extremity. It's usually a result due to physical inactivity. There's a higher prevalence in certain populations. Again, it's related to that physical inactivity. People who have suffered from spinal cord injuries and suffer an abrupt loss of physical activity or any kind of lack of muscle activation to pump blood and achieve venous return.
0: Special tests. Now, how are we looking to uh, rule this in, rule this out?
1: Sometimes in the inpatient setting, monitoring for DVT will kind of already routinely be done uh, due to physical inactivity or as the result of certain diagnoses. So again, I'm a neurotherapist, so I think patients who are not physically active as they were prior to coming to the hospital because they've had a spinal cord injury or a stroke, but can also happen after a back surgery or just a multi-traumatic injury. Other times, DVTs do need to be screened for after signs and symptoms are present. So when you're thinking about DVTs, you want to think about your signs and symptoms are pain in any specific area, swelling or tenderness in a civic area, and skin that is warm or even hot to the touch in that same region, and skin that is red in that same region. Like the
0: uh, cardinal signs of inflammation too.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So that's that's where you kind of have to take everything and put it all together. So listen to the patient history. Have they been inactive recently? What is their job like? Do they sit at a desk for 70 hours a week? Have they just come back from an around-the-world trip, and they've been on an airplane for a long time. So that's where getting some of that history is also important to differentiate. But regardless of presence of symptoms, an ultrasound can be ordered to diagnose it. So if you're in the hospital setting, you're talking to the treatment team and having um, an ultrasound ordered or just referring somebody somewhere where they can get one done, you will often hear people in hospital refer to these as Dopplers because a duplex Doppler is a compression ultrasound and it's the current study of choice for the diagnosis of any kind of suspected DBT. I do wanna to touch on one other thing that some students may have heard of something called Homan sign or the dorsiflexion sign. Um, I don't know if you learned about this in school, but we did. It's something that can actually indicate a DVT if a patient reports pain in their calf with forced dorsiflexion. However, this should not be performed because you can actually dislodge the DVT and it can become a, a pulmonary embolism very quickly. So it's not a safe test to perform. You may still see other healthcare providers perform this test. It's up to you about whether whether you want to have that discussion or not. But just as a PT, don't do it too risky. Um, You can
0: usually figure it out some other way. That brings up an area that can come up on the NPTE, which is safety.
1: Yes, they're big on safety. Yeah. The whole point of the NPTE is to protect the public from you <laughs> as a PT. So they want to make sure that you're safe and you're not going to cause any damage to
0: anybody. Differential diagnosis. Differential diagnosis. What are we looking at with uh, differential diagnosis and DVT?
1: I think this is a little bit tricky because basically a differential diagnosis could be any diagnosis that presents with pain, redness, and swelling, which is a lot. A lot. To name a few, Baker's cyst, cellulitis, lymphedema, Chronic venous insufficiency, any kind of popliteal venous or arterial aneurysms, anything that could be compressing veins, HO, heterotopic ossification, hematomas, and then just even your muscle tears or muscle strains and and different sprains at certain joints in the body.
0: Yeah, so this is where on the test, focus on the cardinal signs that you mentioned uh, earlier. And again, if you hear hooves, it's horses and not zebras. They're really Mm -hmm. trying to give you uh, a chance to answer this question correctly. Don't talk yourself out of the right answer. I did that plenty of times when I was studying for the test.
1: Exactly, exactly. So again, like take that patient history into account. Are they somebody who's been immobilized and they've been in, in the hospital for weeks? Have they just been on an airplane? Things like
0: that. They're not trying to trick you, they're trying to test you. Focus on that. Exactly. Treatment examples. Treatment examples. What are we going to uh, do with uh, an individual who might have or you know has a DVT?
1: Treatment is going to vary based on the setting that you're in. So, for example, if you suspect a DVT in an inpatient, in a patient, in an outpatient setting, You would send them immediately to the hospital because obviously it could become something much worse. In an inpatient setting, you would want to see if the patient is already on some sort of anticoagulant regimen, as many people in the inpatient setting are preventatively just to prevent DVTs. It's interesting. I feel like I've seen a change just even in the years that I've been in clinical practice that. It used to be that if a DVT was found in somebody in the hospital, they were put on bed rest immediately for at least 24 hours after they were medicated for anticoagulants. And now I feel like as long as the patient is on anticoagulants, PT or any kind of activity or exercise isn't contraindicated. Knowing what kind of medications the patient's already on, talking with the treatment team and knowing what the safe approach is. The medical management, like I said, consists of that anticoagulant. Uh, medications. And that can be used if a DBT was suspected or diagnosed. And it doesn't really necessarily hurt somebody to be put on one if the rest of their medical history allows for it.
0: What to know for the test. Wrapping up with how is this going to appear in what form on the NPTE?
1: Yes, we kind of already talked about it, but the NPTE is a test basically to protect the public and to make sure that you as a licensed physical therapist can provide safe care. So again, I think they're really going to get at the safety component and your ability to recognize a DVT in a patient. So just knowing those clinical signs, using what you're seeing in front of you as the patient, so the clinical signs, but then also their history of their current concerns, like we talked about being immobilized, being on long flights, things like that, just being able to recognize the signs of a DVT and act appropriately.
0: They're testing you. They're not trying to trick you. Focus on that and you'll be fine. Exactly. All right. That is a DVT on the NPTE StudyCast. Uh, Bridget, thanks. Thanks, Jimmy. NPTE StudyCast. Brewed by the PT Pinecast.